Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is March 25, and our scripture passage for today is 1 Samuel chapter 10. Saul is anointed king. As you go through this Samuel Kings and Chronicles material and the beginning of the United Monarchy of Israel all the way to the end, you see some stark contrast in the kings, not just those who had come after the death of Solomon, both the northern and southern kingdom, but among the kings themselves. And I want to speak today to this issue because in 1 Samuel chapter 10, we have the anointing of Saul as the first king of Israel. Now, it's an amazing story because Saul seemed to come from such a humble heart to begin with, but his heart grew in pride as victories came. His self-will became apparent that he had not truly been schooled in the way of God. He had not been trained in a proper attitude toward who he is, about who he is, about his calling, and it brought great damage not only to Saul and to the tribe of Benjamin, but also to the entire kingdom of God called ancient Israel. And so what I want to do today is to help us to look at the profiles of those who were early leaders in the monarchy of uh, ancient Israel. You have Saul, a man who is head and shoulders above everyone else, who is absolutely a spectacle of humanity, good-looking, tall, has everything going for him. The scripture says he was choice. That means that he was in the prime of his life. He had everything going for him, yet his pride, his self-will, his insecurities brought about his downfall. Contrast that, on the other hand, with David. What, did he have pride from time to time? Of course he did. And it cost the kingdom of God of ancient Israel many times. All you have to do is look at, at the close of his life when he took the senses, even against the advice of his own advisors who were not nearly as spiritual as he was. But it just goes to show there is no seniority with God. And so David messed up royally. In the end of his life, did God bless him? him in spite of that, of course. But there is another tale of two men that really highlight these two approaches to life, and that is the son of Solomon called Rehoboam, and Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who has an epitaph as the one who always caused Israel to sin. Now, what I want to do is contrast, if I could, David up against the life of Saul, the first king of Israel, and then Jeroboam, the rightful king that God had already said, I'm going to tear ten tribes out of the hand of Judah, out of the line of David, because of Solomon's sin, and I am going to make you Jeroboam. You can read about this in First Kings, starting at about 
around chapter 9, 10, 11, but especially in chapter 12, when the rebellion and the split of the kingdom really takes place at the coronation of Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, after his death. And so what you have is the contrast in the call of God and the security that brings to the heart that is truly resting in confidence in God himself. And so this is exactly what happened. David was anointed king. And for a period of a decade, almost a decade, David was in the shadow of a man who was in all categories insane. That is, Saul was so insecure that he began to try to even kill his own son. He tried to throw a spear at his own son because he disagreed with him. This is the height of insecurity. When you get people around you that they are are so insecure that that they always think someone's out to get them and that their position is in jeopardy. They have never understood, if they are claiming to be a child of God, that indeed God is the one who raises up. God is the one that puts down. Now, I know in our Western culture, we have this concept that we've got to promote ourselves. That is foreign to the way and the will of God. The Bible says the opposite, that we are to humble ourselves. Now, that doesn't mean that we think less of ourselves. It just means that we think of ourselves less. That is, we don't think about ourselves all the time and think that everybody's thinking about us and wondering what we're doing. That's a pipe dream in most people's minds. But you see, Saul came to the point in his own life to where he thought it was all about him. And he thought everybody was out to get his position. And so this insecurity is born out of something. I believe it is born out of a real sense of a lack of calling and knowing who we are and the call of God upon our lives. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus, knowing who we are in Jesus. When you are on the treadmill of trying to continually please people, trying to make sure everybody likes you, trying to make sure that you don't offend, trying to make sure that everybody is in consensus with your decisions, you're not going to get a lot done in in Jesus' name that's going to affect the kingdom of God and eternity. We have to find out who we are in Jesus, rest in that, find out what God says about us, and allow our hearts and minds to be seasoned with his word to where we believe the word of God, which is always true, rather than the lies of the enemy of our souls that he uses through the flesh, through our own Adamic sinful nature that tells us lies and about what the world says about us and how we are to act. We have to be molded by the Word of God and be transformed by the Word of God and not be molded by the world's thoughts. And this is what happened to Saul and David and Rehoboam and Jeroboam. And so you had at the height of Saul's kingship, his rulership, you had incidents that showed that he was full of himself and not full of God. And so God withdrew his spirit from him. Now, those of us who are walking with God today for the last 2,000 years since the 
Pentecostal day after the resurrection of Jesus and his ascension, we have the Spirit of God living in our heart. That's the real miracle of Pentecost, that God comes to live in the life of every follower of Jesus, whether they are Jew or Gentile. Because the same way is the way that all of us live before God. The ground is level at the cross now. God deals with us the same way. But when it comes to how we act and react before God, we have choices in this. And so you have King Saul, who was always paranoid, and the longer he lived, the more insecure he became, the more paranoid he became. And this is what happens to many leaders that are filled with themselves instead of God. David, on the other hand, waited patiently for the Lord to lift him up. As a matter of fact, Saul tried to kill him over and over again, lied about it hunted him down, but David refused to lift his hand against God's anointed because it wasn't his time. Listen to me. Knowing who you are in Christ will help you to be patient. It'll help me to be patient, to wait for God's timing because God's timing is always best. I just shared with someone in the last couple of days that when We find out the will of God. That is so important that we find out why God put us on this earth and that we do what God wants us to do. But it is just as important as the knowing the what of the will of God as to the when of the will of God, that we do what God wants us to do in the way God wants us to do, yes, but also in his timing. David had to wait for almost a decade. We don't want to wait for a moment. We want to know God's will now, and if we can't have it our way, sometimes we're going to kick the barn door down. So David is a symbol of patience and waiting for God's timing. Saul is the epitome of one. I mean, he has written the book on not waiting on God. He couldn't wait on Samuel. He couldn't wait on God, and he wanted to do things his own way, and it brought down his kingdom. David did things God's way and God's timing for the majority of his life, except in instances. And then he begged God's forgiveness and repented, and God restored him and reconciled him. The end was better than the beginning. All to say is, there is a way that seems right unto a man, and the end is death. We must do it God's way. Next time, we're going to take it just a step farther and examine this even more so in the life of Rehoboam and the life of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. For On The Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at tonycrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at tonycrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.